<clears throat> Last week, we kicked off a series um, that we're simply calling uh, Purpose. Purpose. It's something that's near and dear to my heart. I told you that last week. Some of you weren't here. Um, this is something that actually is, a, is really the cause and the purpose for why we started the bridge, um, this, this concept. Uh, I want to do what God made me, what God wants me to do. He is the creator. I want to do what he wants me to do. It would be um, so disappointing if I got to the end of my life and found that um, I didn't even do what he created me to do. Um, so, purpose. And when I'm speaking here today, I, I just want to kind of lay this out, just, to, just to, maybe a disclaimer a little bit. I'm talking about, uh, it may seem like I step on some toes and things like that. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to convey to you is our purpose in life. What God has, has described as, as something that is our purpose. So if I, if I do that and something feels a little odd or whatever, um, you're a sponge, take it in. Take it in. Um, we're going to uncover God's awesome purpose for your life. Um, with each message, I'm going to focus in on one of the purposes that you personally were made for. You were made for this. And I'm going to quickly summarize last week. Um, it was cold, a lot of people sick, uh, a lot of people out. So I'm just going to quickly summarize for those of you who weren't here. Last week I said that the essence of the Christian life um, could be summed up in just two words. How many remember? Very good. Very good. Um, love affair. Love affair. Love affair. God wants... Again, I want to do what he wants me to do. God wants to have a love affair with you. With you. In fact, the Bible says God made you to love you. And that means that you were created for the purpose of having a relationship with God. How many got a relationship with him? And as a result, the most important thing that you can know in life is that God loves you. And the most important thing that you can do in life is to love him back. That's what he wants. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 22, love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's the first and it's the greatest one. All right. Talked about that later. Nothing is more important than that right there in your life. If you do this, you just, if you do this, you will fulfill the primary purpose in your life. And if you miss this part of your life, your life is, and I don't say this, uh, casually is a failure because you've missed the very reason that God puts you here on this earth to begin with. You've missed it to love and to be loved. I've also told you that there's a term in the Bible, uh, uh, for expressing love to God. Anybody remember what that term was? Worship. Worship. Woo! Worship. That makes me feel good that you remembered that worship. Worship. So my title last week, this is we're talking about expressing love to God last week, and we said that's worship. So my title last week was very detailed and technical. It was worship God. Worship God. Number one purpose. So if loving Jesus with all of my heart is the first and most important purpose of my life, what's next? What do we do now? What's the next 
purpose, if you will, in my life. <clears throat> well, one of the religious experts tried to trick Jesus with this very question. And let me read it to you in Matthew 22, 35 through 40. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replies in this particular case, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. We mentioned this before, all your soul, your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. Then he goes on and he says... A second is equally important. Everybody say equally. Great songs today. Um, the worship songs were perfect because this verse says, love your neighbor. This is the second. Love your neighbor. Not just any old way. How does it say to love them? Now, I want to ask you a question in your mind. You don't have to, you know, reply back. But how do you love yourself? What all do you do for yourself? What are the things that you take care of for yourself? How do you spend for yourself? What kind of time do you spend on yourself? Just throwing it out there. I want to call out here, because I think it's probably something that's pretty important, that, that based on what I'm hearing from God, based upon the most important purposes of life, they're not really about us. I, I, I find that fascinating. They're not really about us. The most important purposes are worship God and love people. I find it interesting since as we live our lives before we, we do almost anything, it seems like it has to pass this litmus test, this, this, this one pass is what's in it for me before we do anything. What's in it for me? And if we decide that it's not benefiting us, well, I ain't got time for that. I, I'm not going to invest my time and my energy and my money uh, into anything if it's not going to benefit me. And God says, uh, uh, your most important purposes in life is not really about you. It's about loving your creator. And loving people. Think about your life. Where do you invest your time, your money, your resources? Now, I'm not a stockbroker, and I'm not here to give you stock tips, but if you're not tracking the Dow, um, you might want to start paying attention to it. Because uh, since President Trump is 30%, 31% up, I'm not giving him the credit for it. I'm just saying a fact, 31% up since he's uh, taken office. And the experts are predicting that it's going to go up even more. It's at 26K now, and they're expecting 30K shortly. The experts are saying it's going to get up to 50K. That's double what it is almost today, 50K. And, and some of them are saying way more than that. So someone said... Um, my investments got me sleeping like a baby. Every few hours, I get up crying. And if this is you, you might want to take another look at this, your, 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 your financial portfolio because this is what's going down. But I'm not here today to talk to you about your financial investments. I want to talk to you about something way, way more important than that, your life and how you invest your life. You can do three things with your life. You can waste your life. There's plenty of ways to do that. We were talking about the other night, Netflix. How many binge on Netflix? Oh, yeah, you're not going to raise your hand now. I'm going to be honest with you. We have 
I watched The Crown all the way through in about, what, three days, Crystal? I don't know. I have no idea. It's ridiculous. Waste of time. Waste of time. You can spend your life, and advertisers will help you do that, right? And you can invest your life. And to invest your life means to use it in a way that outlasts itself. I hope you followed that. That, that, in other words, that makes a difference for eternity. That, that, that you, you leave a legacy. The Bible is very clear that you were created to love people as you love yourself and to make a contribution. You weren't put on this earth to be a consumer. You were put on this earth to be a contributor. That contribution that, that you make with your life, your talents and your abilities and your, and your resources, the Bible calls that your ministry. That's what he calls it. And some of you are going, hey, wait a minute. That's what you pastors do, that, that ministry stuff. But no, wait, I'm telling you right now, every one of you, I'd have you raise your hand, but every one of you are a minister. At the bridge anyway. That's what our, our desire is. When you think and when you take your talents and your abilities and whatever you do really good and you use it to help other people unselfishly, God says that contribution of your life is called your ministry. Today's title of my message is simply, you probably couldn't get this, love people. The first one was worship God, wasn't it? This is love people today. Jesus says that one day we're going to give an account for how we lived our lives, how we invested our lives. And in Matthew chapter 25, it tells us a story uh, on how to prepare for the, final, for the end, for the final exam. And when God evaluates how well that you've invested your life, it's our responsibility here at the bridge as leadership to help you prepare for that final exam. And today, I want to share some principles of life investment from this story in Matthew 25 that Jesus is telling us. The first thing that I want to share with you, everything that I have, everybody say everything. Everything, everything that I have really <laughs> belongs to God. Everything. Wait a minute, Steve. No. Everything. A lot of times we think we own our things, but we don't really own anything. God owns it all. You, you just get to borrow it for 60, 70, 80, 90 years maybe. And then you return it. You brought nothing into this world when you were born, and you're not going to take anything out when you leave it. So everything that you have, cars, ambitions, homes, jobs, even your children, everything that you've got is really just on loan to you while you're here alive. The cool thing is we get to manage them. We get to take care of them, these things, and we get to benefit from them, but we must never forget that we don't own it. Let me, let's just say you had a, you had a beach house. Wouldn't that be cool? And one day you said, hey, Steve, I'm gonna go on a, on a, on a vacation and I'm coming back. I'm going to go, go on vacation for three months. <clears throat> and I'd like to let you use it, my beach house. I'd say yes. <laughs> it's got this beautiful view, ocean view. 
and I'd like somebody to kind of take care of it while I'm out. <clears throat> and while I'm gone, I'd like you to do a couple things. I'd like you to, you know, I'd like you to water the plants, and I'd like you to feed the puppy, and I'd like you to, you know, pick up my mail and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of manage the house, you know, while I'm gone. Uh, but but you can use it, enjoy it, make yourself at home. And I say, great, I'm there. And, and so you you go away, and then you come back in three months' time, and you're ready to move back in. I'm saying I'm ready, not to move out. I, I, I say, uh, oh no, I, I happen to kind of like this new bed. I, I, I parked my car in this new garage. I kind of like that. I, I like this new view that I have, you know, from my new living room window. Wouldn't that be just a little awkward when you came home? <laughs> I think it might. Actually, it'd be kind of ridiculous for me to act like I'm the owner now all of a sudden, wouldn't it? When you, when, when you just loaned it to me just for three months. But we do this with everything that we have, we do that. We act like, it's oh, it's my career. It's, it, it's, it's my family. It's my assets. It's my, my home. It's my car. When it really all belongs to God. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, Jesus tells a story and he begins the story that we're getting ready to start. Again, he says, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his servants' property to them. Take note, it's not the servants, it's the master's property. I'm not the owner. When, when you learn to accept that everything that you've got belongs to God, not to you, you're going to worry, guys, a whole lot less. Why? Because you don't worry about things that aren't yours. Let that sink in just for a minute. I'll tell you another way to say that is when I get a ding in my car, I get worried about it. I got, I go make, oh, let's go get that thing taken care of. If you got a ding in your car, eh, whatever. <clears throat> <clears throat> So if you just realize that this is all God's stuff anyway, he gave it to me, he can take it away, he can replace it, then you worry a whole lot less, don't you? Second life investment in principle is that God has given you some unique talents. Aren't you glad for the talents that are up here today? Aren't you glad for the talents that are back there behind that booth? The talents that are all, yeah, thank you. God has given you some unique talents. In fact, the word talents in the English language actually comes from this Bible verse or scripture that we're talking from today. It's where it comes from. In the Bible, a talent was an amount of money. And today, get this, one talent would be worth about $1.4 million. $1.4 million, one talent. The master in this story has given out many talents to, to different people, we'll read on. A sizable investment, even in those days for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, a talent seems, or our talent really means for us, modern day, if you will, is our God-given abilities, uh, our God-given gifts that God, God gave us. Some of you are musically talented. Some of you are math, uh, uh, mathematically uh, talented. And some of you are, are, are mechanically, or some of you are technical and some of you <clears throat> are business. You got business talents and some of you leadership talents. Some of you are good with art. Some of you are good with building. Some of you are good at speaking and some of you are good at writing and cooking. Some of you are great at making pies. <clears throat> 
you probably have at least 200 different uh, talented, uh, talents, each of you. In verse 15, it says, to one, he, and this represents God, gave five talents of money to the other, two talents to the other, one talent, each according to his ability. Notice he gives one, two, and five. We've all been told all of our lives that all men are created equal, and that's just not true. We're, we're created equal in our value to God, in our worth as a human being, but we're not created equal when it comes to talents. You wouldn't want me up here singing. <laughs> a little story that just happened. I did not have my, my microphone on mute while they were singing. I, I, I don't know how they were able to manage singing today with me. Maybe that's why they did so good, with me singing in their ear. Um, Walter said, I can hear you. I said, whoa, <laughs> put it on mute. But these talents that we have, you didn't ask for them. You, you didn't deserve them. You certainly didn't earn them. It's simply a gift of God. An ability that God has given you. Everybody gets uh, 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 some talents. They differ, but everybody gets a talent. You say, well, I don't think I have anything. I don't think I got any talents, man. Steve, I don't have it. Yes, you do. You do. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. A talent is something that you do not deserve. Uh, You can't brag about it, your talent, because you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You can certainly work to develop it, but it's simply a gift from God. The second or third um, life investment principle today, God has invested these talents that he's given to you. He's invested them in you. And now God is holding you accountable. Let that sink in. I don't know how you spend your, your, your time, but he's holding you accountable. He expects you to use them. Now, remember, he gave them to you for a purpose. God invests in our lives and then he watches his investment, so to speak. It's just like if we put our money in, in some investment, we watch it excitedly, expecting, hopefully, for it to grow, Right? That's God. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Every day, you and I, we get to choose how we're going to live our lives. It's your choice. It's your choice. But there's gonna come a day in all of our lives, and it could be a thousand years from now, it could be a year from now, it could be before I get my next word out of my message here today. But eventually, we are gonna have to explain to God the choices that we made about how we lived our lives. Jesus reminded us in this story that we're talking about here today in verse 19. He says, after a long time, the master, a long time, the master of those servants returned. God's gonna return one day. The master of the servants returned and look what he says it did. He settled the accounts. There's gonna be an audit There's going to be an audit from God. Nobody, nobody likes audits. Everybody from city, from banks, and from enterprise, nobody likes audits. 
You think the IRS is, an, I mean, this is a scary proposition when you're getting audited by God. When you have, guys, a final exam, you know what's cool, though? When you got the questions going in. And so, um, when you have this final exam, what our hope and goal is, is to kind of give you the questions to that exam now. And last week we gave you the first one. Once you kind of get your, you settle the question of your relationship with Christ, which is the first and most important one. The next question on the exam is, what did you do with what God gave you? That's the next question. What did you do with what God gave you? And our goal, our goal here is to prepare you to answer that question so that you can stand before God and say, hey, I used my talents I, I, I used them in a way that helped other people. I, I used them in a way that made an impact on the world. The next life investment principle is, you know, it's how we use those talents. It's wrong for us to take what God has given and then not use it for him. In this story that we're talking about here today, the first person doubled his talent. The second one doubled his talent. The third one buried his talent. He hid it. He, he, he was a cautious man. He was conservative. He said, I, I, I'm going to play it safe, and he sat on it sat on his talent. The master's reaction, I want you to pay close attention to this. The master's reaction was, you wicked, lazy servant. You wicked, lazy servant. <laughs> you think the master, in this case, represents God here, was a little upset at him? He looked at the servant and he said, you are wicked. You could have at least put it in the bank and got some interest out of it. That's what he said. Most of us, when we hear the word wicked, we think of murder or we think of, of rape or we think of, 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 of child abuse or something like that. But look at what God calls wicked in this story. He says, it's wicked to not use your talent that you were given, that he gave you to make a difference in this world. To, to never make a contribution, to, to never, to, or to bury it, to put it out of sight, or to pretend that it doesn't exist. A couple insights I want to share with you about this. First is, you can't please God by playing it safe. To use your talent, you have to take a risk sometimes. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. To do nothing with my talent because I'm afraid to risk it in any way is, is, is inexcusable to God. The second insight that we get from this is God would rather you uh, uh, try to serve him and, and make some attempt at least and fail and fall flat on your face, on your face rather than do nothing. He, he calls this servant wicked not because he lost money, because he didn't, but, but, but because he was afraid to do nothing with it. Another thought, how boring was it for the guy who just sat on it? Versus the people who doubled it. How, what kind of adventure was that? 
Some of you have lost your joy in life. Why is that? You can't get your mind off of yourself. And you're afraid to venture out and you start kind of playing it safe, you know, and sit on the sidelines of life and become spectators afraid to contribute. Not, not using your talents the way God gave them to you and intended. Living your, your, you know, for yourselves. Not involved in service to others. Hey, it's time to get back in the game, guys. It's time to get back into ministry. The next principle, a life's principle, is about value. Um, the biggest reason... Um, that we find ourselves sitting on the sidelines. I'm paying everybody here today for coming and sitting and listening to this. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I didn't have to look. <clears throat> uh, the biggest reason that we find ourselves you know, sitting on the sidelines, you know what it is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear keeps me from using my talent that God gave me, fear. Look at verse 25. The man who buried his talent says, I was afraid. I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. And look at those two words, afraid and hid. They kind of go together a lot of times in Scripture, don't they? What keeps you from developing your full potential, fear? What keeps you from becoming what God wants you to be? Fear. What keeps you from, from building a legacy that, that, that's going to last for eternity? Fear. Some examples of fear. Self-doubt. Self-doubt. Anybody struggle with that? It's the fear that keeps most people locked in a prison and keeps them from developing their potential. You know, they say, oh, man, I could never do that. I, I, I'm, I'm just not qualified for that. Honestly, <clears throat> what it is, is the fear of failure. I, I'm afraid if I try and use my talent, I'll fail, and then I'll be embarrassed. Dustin was telling us about a story when he was just a young boy that, that the teacher was asking for somebody to answer questions, and so everybody raised their hand. He raised his hand and called on him, and, and, and he must have answered it wrong, and she made him feel like a fool. I mean... It was a while before he raised his hand in that class again, right? Nobody wants to be made a fool of. But eventually he learns that, and all of us should, that failure, listen to me very closely, is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. In fact, fear of failure is far worse than failure itself. <clears throat> fear of failure, it limits you. Failure, though, is actually, you guys are all going to go home on this one. It's actually a good thing. Failure is how you learn what doesn't work. I read something on the whiteboard at work the other day. <clears throat> Alex, where you, where you are in the building, I don't know if you've seen this or not. And I took a snapshot of it because I liked it. So it said, calm seas never made a skilled sailor. Think about that. The only way that you're ever going to become a success in life is through failure. It's through failure. 
I've failed thousands and thousands of times, and I know that you'd say you would too. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's an education in itself. Um, You need to fail, guys. Here we go. Pastor's weird. Every week. You need to fail. You know why? Because if you're not failing, you're not trying anything new. And if you're not trying anything new, you're not growing. Don't make the same failure every week. That's a no-no. You're not learning or growing anywhere there. I'd rather attempt, though, to do something great uh, and fail than to attempt to do nothing at all and succeed. The next fear, self-consciousness. Another type of fear. You might be good at something like, you know, talking to people or, or, or to singing or teaching or to um, organizing things or to graphic arts or to leading or to helping people, but maybe you become self-conscious about it and, and really behind that fear is worrying. And you know what you're worrying about? What are people gonna think about me? What are they gonna think about me? And I want you to hear me really close here because if you worry about what other people think in life, and I had this problem to myself, You might as well go ahead and dig your grave now. If you're stuck in this one, you need to learn right now today, you can't. Everybody say can't. Please, everybody. You can't do it. You can't do it. In the Bible, it says, Proverbs 29, 25, says the fear of of man is a snare. It's a trap, the fear. Listen, I've learned in leading people that the moment that you come up with a good idea, somebody's gonna throw rocks at it. I mean, every time. The moment that you attempt anything in life, somebody's going to criticize it. Somebody's going to throw it under the bus. Every single time that we've done anything cool or successful here at the bridge, there's always been a critic. Always. When I felt the call to start the bridge, there were people saying, now, how are you qualified for this? When God tugged on my heart to land here in Lake St. Louis, people said, oh man, we drove through that place. That's a, you know, a bunch of, you know, that's, that's well-established place and you know, nothing new happening there. <laughs> you get in here, obviously that's not the case, right? Everything new is going on. In fact, it's the fastest growing part of uh, St. Charles County there is. When I decided to lease this building, someone said, oh, we, how are we gonna afford that? If you worry about what other people are going to think, nothing's ever going to get done in your life. And then we move on to excuses. We often excuse ourselves <clears throat> by, by pointing at other people and saying, oh man, she's got more talent, you know? And, 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 and I, I, if I had her talent, of course I'd become a great leader. Uh, if I could close deals like he could do, or if I could write code like she does, if, if I had the, the, the leadership ability that he does, ju- just because you can't be the superstar doesn't excuse you for doing nothing. I hope that sets in just a little bit because everybody's looking to be perfect. Everybody's wanting to be the best and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> you better use your talent to the fullest extent in your life. You're not called to be the best in the world. You're, you're, you're called to be the best that God made you to be. The third and the greatest fear of all is self-pity. Self-pity is, man, I've failed in the past. I'm so afraid that I'm gonna fail again. 
I'm not trying that again. Some of you have allowed your past to keep you from being used by God. You think, man, I could never be used by God like that. Man, Steve, if you just knew the checkered past in my life, I I had some major failures. I had some moral failures. I had some some, uh, relational failures. I had some financial failures. I've really blown it in my life. I mean, I'm sure I'd be on God's B team or C team probably. He could never use me. And I'm going to tell you something right now if you don't hear anything. You're wrong. If you think that you're wrong, you're just having a pity party because God has never said that in his word. There are two disciples that had spectacular failures. Two disciples, two uh, uh, of the 12 that, that followed Jesus, that Jesus chose. One was named Peter, the other was Judas. They both committed the exact same sin. They both denied Jesus in the heat of the battle, in the crunch, right before the cross. Both of them did the exact same thing. They betrayed Jesus. They denied him, one of them three times. But listen, they responded to their failure in very different ways. Judas went out, had a pity party, hung himself, committed suicide, and that's the end of his life. Peter, on the other hand, went out and he wept bitterly over it. And he grieved about it and he repented and he asked God to forgive him. And then he picked himself up. He picked himself up He brushed himself off, and he went back to serving God. Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times, was the same guy out of all the disciples that Jesus decided to choose 40 days later to speak to the whole city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people believed and were baptized. And from that point, the church began. He was the guy with the biggest failure. Man, I like that. I like that about God. And that means that there's room for me to use my talent in the family of God. That means that there's room for you to use your talent here at the bridge. God loves to use failures. Moses was a murderer and God used him. David was an adulterer and God used him. Jacob was a massive business failure and God used him. Abraham was such a coward that he told his wife twice, tell him you're my sister so, so, so that they won't kill me. And look what happened. God took every one of these guys and picked them up and he cleaned them off and used them in great, great ways. He uses, guys, he uses imperfect people. If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. God uses people with hangups, with checkered past, with with, with, uh, people who have insecurities in their life who don't have it all together. I don't have a 50. I wanted a 50 for this. I'll make it 50. But, but for now, it's a 20. How many would like this 20? My wife at Mason. That's, <laughs> my wife wants it. Sam wants it. Anybody else want it? Raise your hand if you'd like a, an extra 50. All right. How about now? You want it? Everybody still want it? Why? 
Aber. How about now? Still want it? Sometimes in life, we get dropped. Sometimes in life, we get stomped on and ground into the ground. How's that feel? Sometimes we get dirty, and it's because a lot of times our own stupid mistakes. And sometimes we get our lives so messed up, we can't see straight. But I want you to hear something to me, uh, something for me today. You have not and you never will lose your value with God. Never. In God's eyes, you are priceless. You're priceless. Stop with the pity party about your past and start letting God use you. It doesn't matter where you've been. Do you know what it matters? It matters where your feet are going right now. What direction your feet are headed right now. Matthew 25, 24, as I move on. Then the man who had received one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were, a, you were a hard man, harvesting where you hadn't sown yet and gathering where you hadn't scattered seed yet. So look, I was afraid and went out and I hid my talent in the ground. I hid your talent in the ground. Look at this guy. He's blaming this guy. He's blaming his boss. How many have ever done that before? Just, he's justifying his actions here. He's saying, hey, it's your fault, sir, that I, that I, uh, uh, I failed. You're a hard man and I knew it, so I buried it. Because you're unreasonable. What do you, what do you, who are you blaming for your lack of serving God? Who are you blaming? for not using what God has given you, the talent that God's given you? Who are you blaming for, for unhappiness? Who are you blaming uh, for not being in the center of God's will? You know what, if I just married somebody else, if I just gotten married, or, or, or if I had different parents, or if I hadn't gotten that divorce, or if I had a different brother and sister, or if I had different children, then you know, stop blaming other people. You know what? You're as close to God as you choose to be. No more, no less. You're as spiritual as you want to be. If you're close to God, it's because you've chosen to be close to God. If you're far from God, it's not God that's moved. Hmm. It's fear that causes me to make excuses. And listen to me about Satan. He will... He's going to most likely attach a, a fear to your greatest talent. I want you to hear that closely. He's going to attach a fear to your greatest talent. Because you know what? He, has, he wants no part of that. He doesn't want you using that for God's glory in any way. In any way. So he attaches a fear to it. So, you know, if you're good, good at singing, he's going to say, ah, you don't, you don't want to be singing up there. Or if you're good at planning, you know, man, you're going to mess something up. Satan wants to keep you from using your talent, from, from loving people, from making the contribution that God put you here on earth to do and to fulfill. Moving on to the next one as we wrap things up here today. <clears throat> These talents, it's, 
some, something interesting about your talents and abilities. You, you use it or lose it. In verse 28, the master says, here close now, take the talent from him who didn't use it. Take it from him and give it to the guy who's got 10. Have you ever noticed that in life that the people that are talented just continue to get more talented and the people who are not so, not so much? It's because the talent God gave them, they're not using or they're using it all for themselves. God has the right to take it away. Why, why would he let you keep it? This principle of use it or lose it is a universal principle. It's true with muscles. Use them, lose them. It's true with money. Invest it or lose it. It's true with your mind. If you don't use your mind, you can't you begin pretty soon to not be able to think or talk. If you have a talent and you refuse to practice it, you lose the talent. And the opposite is also true. If you use it, you get even more of it. Muscles, you get more. Money, invested right, you get more. And that's true with every area of life. Hebrews 13, 21, God says, I'll equip you with all that you need for doing my will. My will. That's a key. Here's the question. What do you need more of? Is there anybody who needs more energy in their life? Anybody who needs more time in your life? Anybody who needs more money, more talent? Here's the secret. Whatever you need more of, whatever that is, take a, the little bit that you have and start using it. <laughs> Isn't it simple? Take whatever little bit that you got and start using it in serving other people unselfishly. And God will multiply it. You say, I don't have time to serve other people. I don't have time to, to minister. I don't have time to do anything else on Sundays. Why? Why is that? Because God never meant for you to be this selfish person who spends all of your time on yourself. Why would God give you more time if you're, not, if you're just, just going to spend it all on yourself? Why would he do that? It's kind of like the principle of tithing. The first 10% of all that you make goes back to God. <clears throat> God takes the other 90% and he makes it stretch further than if, he did, if, if I kept the 100% to myself. And that's true with your time. That's true with your talent. And that's true with anything in life. If you don't have enough time in your life, you really need to start serving. To love on some people. Because you're out of balance. You're all taking, 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 taking. Where in your life are you doing something totally unselfish, that's unrewarded, that you don't get any credit for, that you don't get any money back for. It's just a volunteer service. 
And if you're not, you're out of balance. And if that's the case, how do you accomplish the primary purpose in your life that God put you here on this earth for, to love others like you love yourself? And finally, I'm going to ask our leaders, they don't know that I'm doing this, so it may just all get messed up. But Dustin's already up here. I'd like for Jenna. Is she here? Yeah, Jenna. If she would come. And then Jenna Parrish. uh, Chris is going to get her. Um, Jared Carter's not here. Jeremiah, if you would come up. Courtney's not here. Uh, Sam and Sue, if you would come up on the platform. Um, Crystal and Janice. Where's Janice? Janice would come up on the platform. I'm not going to ask you to speak, so just don't worry about that. Just come on up to the platform. This last point in life investment, just come up behind me here. Thank you. It's in the end, it's going to be worth it. I'm not saying it's easy now or it will be easy. I didn't say that. In fact, it might be very difficult. It might be the toughest thing that you've ever done, but it's going to be worth it. If I use my talents, the Bible says I'm going to be rewarded. In verse 23, it says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things and I'll put you in charge of many things now come and share your master's happiness and if you'll just put that scripture up there and then come on up that would be great verse 23 Matthew 25 23 look at this verse God rewards you when you use when we use our talents in ministry, when we, when, when we serve others, when we serve others, when, when, we, when we love others, when we make uh, contributions into this world, we get affirmation from God and he says, well done, well, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if you can put yourself in that place right now, but God himself saying, well done, Good boy, good girl, awesome, pat on the back. (laughs) Nothing better than to have that from the creator. Then he promotes us. You've been faithful with a few things, but now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You get promoted in heaven for eternity. And then finally, the celebration comes. It says, come and share your master's happiness. God's saying, hey man, you've made me happy. <laughs> you've made me happy. So, so let's celebrate. Let me ask you today, do you really want to be happy? Do you really want to raise your self-esteem? Do you really want to feel like you're, you're making a significant difference in your life? You need to find a place to minister. 
where you can start making an unselfish contribution with your life on a volunteer basis. Use your talents to serve God, to be serving and loving others. And if you do that, the Bible says, and you've all probably heard this scripture before, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things are going to be added to you. All these other things are going to be added to you if you just seek me first in my righteousness. It doesn't say, it, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, hey, seek me second, third, fourth, fifth, or whatever. Or you know what? Better yet, finish your to-do list, Steve, and then see if you've got any time for ministry. Finish that first. Or, 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 or it doesn't say, fill your, your schedule up and, and, and fulfill all of that, and then see if you've got any time for unselfish service to others. No, he said, he said, put it first. Everybody say first. Shall we stand? Think of somebody else first. And God says, when you do that, I'll take care of you. Some of you might say, how can I do that in a practical way? And I'm going to share with you that in just a minute as the worship team would sing and then I just want to wrap up one little little bit you guys just stay right here okay stop then stay up here we're going to do this now some of you might say how in the world can I do that in some practical way well first all first thing you want to do here at the bridge is you want to first of all thank you first thing you want to do is jump into activate Jump into Activate. Join our Activate classes. That's how you get involved, okay? Jump into that first. Three very um, simplistic courses. Fast. We can get you involved and plugged in very quickly. But secondly, Dustin, he's up here. He's our operations pastor. Anything to support uh, uh, what happens here on stage, he's responsible for. Many other things as well. Jenna, guest services. Right on the end, pregnant. My, my, my grandchild in there. Man, a few weeks, we are going to have ourselves a blast. Jenna, Parrish, Bridge Kids, everything about our kids. She's passionate about it. Uh, she has put together all what you see back there and takes care of making sure that your kids are being taught about Jesus. Yeah, it's okay to give her a hand for that. While everybody is here enjoying a message, I hope you enjoyed the message today. Um, I hope I didn't step on too many feet. She's back there making sure that the kids are being taught. And then... And then Jared Carter, who's not here today, I'll talk to him about that later. Um, he's our ministry pastor. He's in charge of teasing. He's in charge of activating link groups. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, sound, lighting, video media, camera, video editing, a bunch of other stuff. Everything that you see here uh, electronically, he's the genius behind. If you like the sound, he's responsible. If you don't like it, he's responsible for it. 
Um, it's awesome. I love it. But I'm going to tell you, he carries it all on his shoulders. That's it. Everything on his shoulders. He's been crying for me to get him some help for a long time. <laughs> not crying, but you know. Courtney, who's not here, talk to her later. She's our community outreach person. And anything that, that in terms of bringing our, our community in. Sam and Sue, link groups. Everybody give him a hand. Link groups and here. What I'm talking about today, loving people, that's their responsibility. Loving the Bridge family. And if you've ever gotten any flowers, if you've ever gotten anything about that, they work, it works through them and eventually gets to Tina, but for a while they did it forever. But all those types of things, that's what they did. They served, they loved others. Crystal and Janice, my gosh. Crystal's back here, Janice here. Um, They're in charge of SEEK, our ladies group. How many enjoyed the ladies group yesterday? Oh, I heard about it. I heard there was a great showing, an awesome showing. Thank you for coming. Uh, Invite your uh, other lady friends to it. And I want to encourage you that after service, after this, this song and after we dismiss, to stop one of these leaders that are up here today or myself and find out how you can start volunteering here at the bridge. How you can start fulfilling one of the most important, one of the most important purposes of your life, loving others. The Bible says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. I'm going to just say one last thing and just say I, what I said at the very beginning, and that is, I said none of this to step on anyone's toes. I said it all to let you know what your purpose that God gave you in life is. That's the only reason why I'm sharing it because in the end, I want to get to the end and say, God, I did what you asked me to do. I did what you wanted me to do. How many want to do that in the end? How many want to raise your hand if you'd like to do that in the end? Be able to say, God, I did. I, I did what you, what you asked me to do, what you want me to do. Thank you, leaders, for coming out. Let's sing.